This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, we have a recorded interview with Nathan Watson, who is a ticket sales executive with the Indianapolis Indians. We discussed his career in sales in both the NFL and minor league baseball, how the COVID pandemic has affected ticket sales, and advice for students wanting to break into sports. I hope you enjoy it. Nathan, welcome to the uh, podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me on. Well, it's my pleasure. Anytime we get to talk to one of our uh, esteemed and illustrious Trine University Sport Management alums, this is always kind of a big deal. And, you know, in just a, a short year when you graduated in May of 2019, you've, you've kind of blown up working in the NFL and, and now the Indianapolis Indians and now on to the uh, Center for Sports Studies podcast. This is a path you got to take. I hear once you get here, you've made it big time. <laughs> I like to think so, but it, it is, it is, it's cool from, from a faculty perspective and, and we want the podcast to kind of uh, be all encompassing, not just trying centric, but it is kind of cool from a faculty perspective to see one of our students, you know, really work hard and work his way up and now get to a point where, you know, you're with a team, it's minor league baseball, but you know, the Indianapolis Indians have been around for years and years and years, and it's a very well-respected organization. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started. You started with the Indianapolis Colts, and now you're with the Indians. Yeah, so it uh, goes a little bit further back than that. In school, I was a double major in sport management and marketing. Not sure what I really wanted to do with all that. I uh, ended up going into the ticket route my junior summer. Uh, I like talking to people, creating relationships, and uh, got a, a lot of advice to go that route. Ended up doing an internship with the Chicago Sky in the WNBA. Uh, enjoyed that pretty well. Got fortunate when I came back to school for my senior year or a capstone to do the Mad Ants ticket sales class. From there, pretty much determined sales was going to be my career. Wanted to stay in sports. Got brought on to consumer sales with the Indianapolis Colts. Spent 10 months there. Got to deal with the Andrew Luck retirement. So that was very unique as my first full-time job out of college. And then here in March, got actually brought on to the Indianapolis Indians as a ticket sales executive. So I've gone from future Hall of Fame potential quarterback retiring over to a worldwide pandemic. So I've had a hot start to the, to the sales career this far. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on to the podcast, because, I mean, here you are, a new grad, you, you've worked hard, you did everything we asked you to do as a student, and then you finally get a shot with the Colts. You do a great job there, which we were able to kind of parlay into a job with the Indians, and it was actually a promotion for you, and then the world kind of turns on on his head. We'll get into that, but you talked about the Andrew Luck retirement, so I think that's kind of an interesting thing to look at. So here you are, you're starting off, new grad, you're with the Colts. Um, you're trying to sell season tickets, sell groups, all that stuff. And then your franchise quarterback in the third quarter of, of one of the last preseason games retires. And I remember texting you kind of saying, all right, big boy, I hope you locked up those season ticket commitments because, you know, your guy's world has ended. Tell us about that. What was the impact? Because I was kind of surprised it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world for you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, we were anticipating him playing the whole season. And talking about big things, you know, Super Bowl run and, and how far the team could realistically go. And 
I remember I was sitting downstairs. I had the second half of the game off. It was against the Bears. And I was sitting downstairs, and I saw a tweet come through my phone. It came from Adam Schefter, and I thought that he had – I know he's got a fake Twitter account. And I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. You know, it got me. And then it just flooded, ESPN, Barstool. Everybody that you can imagine was now tweeting about this. So at that moment, it kind of set in. And I've never heard a place with so many people so quiet in my entire life. Wow. Uh, you you could seriously hear a pin drop. I know people say that, but you could, it was the most eerie feeling I've ever had. So we, we were lucky enough that was on a Saturday. We had Sunday to kind of relax and get the news. And every media stream through all of Indy was putting the conferences out there, the press conference with them and the, and the update. So we almost didn't have to pitch anything to any of our ticket members. They knew what was going on. So coming back in Monday, we had a big meeting in the morning, kind of anticipated that it was going to be pure chaos. And I would say we got less than 10 calls regarding it. The media kind of made it seem like we gave everybody a refund. I believe we gave out two refunds. Uh, one was somebody that was just pretty upset about the whole situation. And the other one, the, the gentleman bought Saturday morning before they came on Saturday night. So, I mean, two of them had pretty good cases. Other than that, everybody was a little upset set but to the point where they were more comfortable that they had an answer so if you remember we've been we've been running through the whole past couple years of is luck playing how much is he playing when will he be back and they finally got their answer now it wasn't the answer they were looking for but they at least got an answer so everybody kind of moved forward and almost took it as a way where the media then portrayed us as you know they've got no shot they're out of it they've got no quarterback and Indianapolis kind of rallied around the team and and was like, well, we actually do have a quarterback. We do still have a team, and we're not going to build a team around one focal point moving forward. So for the city, it was a rally cry of let's play together. Let's you know, bring the team and the city together and, and see what we can make happen. So we, we truly didn't see a ton of impact sales-wise or anything. Obviously, moving forward, your big-time games of luck against Breeze or luck against Brady that were potentials was now Brissett against whoever. But other than that, it, it, was, it was pretty cool to see the city come, come together and build on a team that has a pretty shocking news a couple of weeks before the start of their season. So did you guys have to maybe shift your strategy a little bit? So looking at the business side, at the sales side of it, from you know, trying to sell the team to, to selling the experience or did just like, hey, we're just going to continue going forward and you know, hopefully people buy what we're trying to sell you know, in the first place? Yeah, from a business side, we learned really on in our careers that no longer could you sell a person or the potential of what was on the team because you could just as easily as somebody retiring, you could have somebody have a serious injury that maybe ends their season or their career. So we went forward as, like you said, the experience. We broke it down into three categories. People who were diehard Colts fans would come 16-0 and 0 or 0-16. Okay. The people that would come out for business, so they didn't really care what – the game did either way, win or loss from the Colts. They were there to entertain clients, look what we can provide, and look at the opportunities moving forward for you. And then we broke it down to the people that just came for the social. So they wanted to come out with their friends or family, have a good time, and just enjoy a football game. Again, didn't really care who won or lost. So you could target each of those different categories by what their needs were. So the diehard Colts fans didn't really care who their quarterback was because to them, the Colts are the best team in the league every year, no matter who they have on the team. So the businesses, they're only trying to entertain clients. They truly don't care if the Colts win or lose. They're just using the Colts as an entertainment purpose to bring in or retain their current clients. And from the people that just have a, have a need for entertainment, 
and want something fun to do, they're just there because it's a Sunday at one o'clock and, and what else are they going to do after church? So they just came for the entertainment and enjoyment of a game. So that, again, they didn't really care who, who won or lost. So we got pretty fortunate that our fan base was, you know, not the diehard Andrew Luck fans, mm-hmm. but diehard Colts fans. And this may be an unfair question, but it's kind of the same way in, in minor league baseball to a certain extent. We were talking with Megan Madsen, who, who works um, in the headquarters of minor league baseball, and selling that experience rather than the game. I, I think most people, if, if you're kind of looking at different buckets of fans like you were talking about, most people who come to a minor league baseball game don't care who win or, wins or loses. They, don't, they probably couldn't name more than two guys on the field anyway. So... And again, it's unfair because you just started with the Indians right before the world kind of ended. But is it the same way there? Like, as you're thinking about your day-to-day responsibilities or or your day-to-day sales, are you looking to sell more of the experience, the game? How does it work in minor league baseball? Very similar to what we just went over with the Colts, like you said, minus the large season ticket holder base. We have those season ticket holders that are diehard. They'll be at every game. And they do know almost every player on the team. A lot of it you're looking for is people that want to come out for affordable family fun, mm-hmm. something entertaining. If you go to minor league baseball games, a lot of people have the wrong perception where they go to the MLB games and it's slow. It's all about the guys on the field, whereas ours is like that to an extent. But at the same time, you have Rowdy throwing T-shirts off the top of the dugout to the person in the top row of the stadium. So there's things going on in between innings where it's almost an act. It's almost just a pure entertainment from beginning to end rather than focusing just what's on the field. So like with Andrew Luck retiring, that might've been the best thing for my career moving forward. Cause I quickly learned there that you can no longer sell, Hey, this is who we have. You have to sell. What are you looking for in, a, in an outing? And then can we build around what you're looking for? So at the Indians, you know, we're big on groups and companies that want to come out, entertain clients, give back to their, their employees and their families. That's all entertainment purpose. They, like you said, they don't really care who wins or loses. They want to come out have some food and drink, watch a game, chit chat, hang out with each other and have a good night all around. You know, I neglected to, to talk about your experience in the WNBA as an intern. I kind of forgot about that, but you've had experience now with the, with the WNBA. So we, we've been in basketball with the NFL in football and now in, in minor league baseball. So you've seen it from a bunch of different angles. You, you've seen kind of the different opportunities involved in sport, you know, as kind of a sport professional yourself now, you know, we tend to say kind of sales is the way you get your foot in the door. And to a certain extent, it's true. I, I, I buck against it because I don't want to put somebody or I wouldn't lead a student to sales who absolutely doesn't want to do it. But do you think it's the best place for students to start? And if so, what do they need to do to get there? I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. If you absolutely hate sales, then getting into sports through sales is probably not the smartest route for your career. If you have any interest in it, it's the easiest way, I would say, due to the fact that there's so much turnover. There's new opportunities coming up all the time. People leave. People find better jobs. People go to the team they root for. So there's always new openings coming and going. So that you, have, you have more potential through sales. From my experience as an intern in sales, I was also taking pictures in the WNBA of people doing the high-five tunnel, people doing the, the co-captain introductions before the game. I was picking up during the game. I was putting out T-shirts on seats. We were the post-game teardown. So I had all kinds of different opportunities there, which you would typically see in, in an internship, but not everybody was doing the same thing that the ticket interns were doing. Um, moving over to 
the NFL, we were out doing, you know, boots on the ground campaign of getting leads and giving away t-shirts and signed footballs and different things like that, where, you know, a, a game day in turn is only there for game days and only doing their specific role. So I got an opportunity to go around and go to high school football games and, and hold tents there. I got to work training camp. So you would think a ticket worker would only be trying to sell tickets, whereas I was the guy in there trying to work on mobile ticketing issues and, and fixing all the, the free ticket issues at training camp. So a variety of, of opportunities there as well. And then flip to the Indians, where you're in minor league baseball, where we necessarily don't have just endless staff. We are the people that pick up open shifts. So we had halftime mm-hmm. tournaments in here in July, and they needed a field, a field crew. So I was the guy out there you know, helping put the lines on the baseball field. So there's just endless things that you can do through tickets that you probably wouldn't get the opportunity to do in another route. It's just, it's hard. So you have to be able to put in the time and the work and the commitment, and you'll see the other side before long. And eventually you'll have an understanding of things about the business that you probably never realized you would even have. So tomorrow, if they said, go down and chalk the field, I could go downstairs to the clubhouse, get out the chalk, hit it with the hammer, line the field, put it away before anybody even knew what happened. So coming into this, I was like, are we just using a roller? How, how are we doing this? Um, so you learn things that you wouldn't ever anticipate learning through a ticket route. And again, go to a former podcast that we had with, with Amber Mitchkoviak with the Pistons. We talked about that. You know, you, you're in there from nine to five, eight to five, whatever, you know, doing your calls and, and doing sales. And then after that, you still got a game to go to. You know, you, you've got to have a little bit of a love for sports. But you said, or, or for the sport that you're working at, but you said it's hard. You, you said ticket sales are hard. And I know, you know, it's hard, but I know you enjoy it. Like you've got the mentality and the drive to where you enjoy it. But, but what makes it hard? Like if somebody's listening to this who, who has no idea what goes on in, in making a, a, an event actually happen, like tell me a little bit about your day-to-day, kind of what makes it a little bit difficult that students need to know about that you wish you knew before you got into it. Ticket sales as a whole is pretty simple if you break it down. Pick up the phone, call somebody, create a relationship, and pitch your product. Now that seems pretty simple. And it is, the issue that you'll run into is you cannot be afraid of failure mm-hmm. because you're going to pick up the phone and call 50 to 60 people a day in inside sales, maybe more as an account executive, maybe a little bit less, but you're going to be around that 50 to 60 call range. And of those calls, you'll be lucky to talk to five. And of those five, you might have one great conversation, which is still on the fence of if they didn't buy are you going to get that sale or is that one going to slip away? So in theory, throughout a week, you're looking at about 25 calls and five great conversations. Now put that together for four weeks, for 12 months, for 10 years. That's a lot of no's. So you can't go into it expecting I'm going to, I'm going to sell a million dollars in minor league baseball tickets because you're probably not right off the get-go. You have to build and continue to build, and that's where the process comes into play. So, for example, I'll come in the morning, kind of look at the emails or any voicemails I missed overnight. Usually not too many because a lot of people will get back to us before five, seven, worst case. I got a couple of those 10 o'clock, midnight people <laughs> that just love, love getting back to me at that time. But then from there, you kind of have already got your, pl- your day planned out. So we have three different call periods for 45 minutes to an hour. So we'll come in and bust out 15 to 30 calls in those hours. Between the, the, the hour frames, you can then send your emails, your follow-ups, um, 
get back to anybody if somebody sent you a piece of mail, which is very unlikely, but anything that would take more time, you can do that between the call periods. So we're at like 10, or 9.15 to 10, 12.30 to 1.30, and 3 to 4. So three pretty good hours of the, hour time slots of the day. And from there, you build your day around that. So I know those three hours, I'm going to be calling people. Outside of that, it's fair game for what I need to do. So prospecting, signing up for events to help, helping with events, scheduling meetings, anything that you can imagine between those slots. So the whole, the ticket sales concept is not difficult. Like I said, pick up the phone, call somebody and you sell it or you don't. It's got to, you got to fall in love with the process of it's a waiting game, especially for groups. You're not going to put a group together in an hour. So that, that could take a couple weeks. And then the, you know, they're, you're on the fence the whole way. You just got to continue to build that relationship. And eventually they won't want to tell you no. They'll give you an answer and a credit card. Whereas if you, you know, just call them once a month and, and hey, how are you? They're probably going to forget who you are. So if they don't answer the phone and say, hey, Nathan, how are you? That's probably not the best sign. You don't have enough rapport with them yet. So it's the process that gets hard. Not necessarily the, the concept of sales, but the process of going from never talked to you in my entire life, create a relationship, pitch a product that you don't necessarily need, and get the sale. I think you spelled it out great. And, you know, as you were talking, I'm kind of the word grind kind of comes to mind. And it is, you know, I've been in sales myself too. And again, you put it great. I mean, it's, especially if you're cold calling, you have no idea who you are and you've got a really short window to try to get their attention, gain a little bit of trust and credibility. And then from there to make them buy, to switch gears just a tiny bit, how do you progress in the career? So let's say you start out in an entry level inside sales, you're making a hundred calls a day, working in the NFL or baseball or wherever else. And then where do you go from there? And then, you know, maybe for you personally, you know, what would be your career goal? So with the Indians, one of the nice things that they mentioned in my interview, when I actually got offered the position was that my path is basically what they're looking for. So some type of internship in sports sales and sports, whatever works. Then moving on, I got lucky and got the Maddance school sales class. So that helped me there build the resume a little bit. Then from there, you know, inside sales is pretty much where you're going to go. Most people don't get moved up to an account executive because they're looking for call numbers, repetition. So if you call a hundred people a day and you leave 80 voicemails, you're leaving 80 of the exact same voicemails. So eventually goodbye script, you've just got it memorized. <laughs> from there, you got a couple different routes to go. Most people will go to a ticket executive. So here we sell everything. We're full menu, suites. We can sell sponsorships, season tickets, groups, flex plans, single game tickets. So we're fortunate where we can sell everything. Whereas the Colts, if you got promoted, you would have the opportunity to go to season ticket sales mainly and the ability to sell groups. You can go to group sales mainly with the ability to sell season tickets, or you could go to a membership rep. So you're just servicing all the accounts that are with the company. So any season ticket holders, any groups, anything like that that need help or have questions, get directed to you so that you can handle those while the other people are selling. From there, most people move into a premium role. In order to get promoted to a manager, director, VP type thing, most people want to see that you can sell full menu. So I'm lucky enough where I can have the opportunity to sell suites when the time comes around and we have a 2021 season, which will help expand my knowledge of the industry instead of just selling groups and full season tickets. So I'll have the opportunity to sell all three categories. 
where some people that only maybe go a group route haven't necessarily sold season tickets or premium. So you kind of got to transition and cover all three of those ideally. From there, you'll move up to some type of a manager role, manager of inside sales, manager of groups and season sales. Kind of depends on what your organization has. And then after there, you're just kind of waiting on the an opportunity to open, whether it's within your organization or somewhere else of a VP role or a director role or, or whatever that next step for your career is. There's no exact way. You know, you come in and just smash what you're doing. You might get moved up a lot quicker than somebody that's a little bit behind the ball, but that's generally what you're looking for. For me, ideally within the next few years, I'll get moved up to some type of a manager role or some type of a, of a full-time premium role corporate sponsorship, something like that, maybe one step away from a manager. But ideally, that's where I like to get to with some type of an organization and kind of pass down what I've learned to others as I continue to build my sales career. You know, you said if you have a 2021 season, so let's go ahead and let's get into it. Um, Let's talk about the COVID pandemic and how it's affected your job. Obviously, the minor league season really was canceled for you guys. So, how have you seen that impacting what you do? And, you know, you don't need to give me any inside information, but, you know, what do you think it's going to look like going forward? I started with the Indians mid to late March. I got handed a two-week breakdown of our sales training, meeting people with the organization, and just an overall idea of what was going on. I got through the first week of it, went home on Friday, never came back. Wow. No sales training. No idea what we sold. So Monday morning, I've got calls, you know, to, to pass accounts that have been with us, some renewal calls just to introduce myself. Manager and I got on the phone at about 8.30 in the morning, went over a couple quick mock calls, sent me right to the phones, and here I am ringing people that I have no idea what we sell. <laughs> I've got a pretty good idea, season tickets, group tickets, but the specifics, no idea, prices, not a clue. So I ended up almost having to teach myself by going onto our website. So that's the nice thing here is our prices on the website and through the box office and through the ticket staff are the same. So that's pretty easy to learn. I just got to go in there and read through it and continue to memorize it, write it down and almost quiz myself. My beginning calls had nothing to do with sales because we weren't in that time period yet. So I got fortunate that I didn't have to get too deep into it before I was ready to. Probably three or four weeks into it, about a month in to the quarantine, we were then pitching, you know, hey, what are you looking for in 2020? What kind of outing? How many people? Where do you want to sit? Do you want food and drink? And getting all the details, moving forward as if we were still having a season. We did not officially know our season was canceled until the day minor league baseball sent it out and canceled it. And at that point, sorry, not to interrupt, but that's like, what was it, June at that point? Yeah, right around there. Wow. We were coming up on serious, are we playing or are we not playing conversations, whereas we were supposed to start in April. Wow. So you missed April, May, June, and we were looking at our goal was a July 4th start. The issue came into play with all the other states had different guidelines of when they were allowed to reopen and hold events. So we were kind of playing the waiting game. Like you said, up until we officially got canceled, we were in the dark just as much as anybody else. We had a pretty good idea that we weren't going to play, like gut feelings. Yeah. I knew we weren't quite moving quick enough 
and the MLB was dragging their toes. So we have to wait on them for it to trickle down to see what they're doing with our players and where we're allowed to go from there. But other than that, everybody was kind of in the dark. So work-wise, it was different. Waking up in the morning, going to the kitchen, getting coffee, getting dressed and calling people from your couch, your island, kitchen table. But it was the same, same concept as what we were doing in the office. So nothing really changed on the sales side. It was just, hey, what are you looking for, assuming that we have a 2020 season? As soon as we got canceled, we moved to the, okay, 2021 is coming up. We're already coming up on renewal process anyways. How can we get people to not run away from us? So we use the idea, which most industries have done and most sports teams, of taking their 2020 money that they've already paid and flipping over to 2021. So they would stay on the books. They could get the same, same seats for the next season opening day and all that we would honor everything but just move the money over rather than cutting a check for a refund waiting four weeks then getting the check turning right back around and handing it back to us mm-hmm. so that was nice to cut out that step because with the indians you'll notice that a lot of people come back year after year they they love it they love the price they love the entertainment so there, there was no hard conversations necessarily the hardest ones were companies that weren't sure if they were going to make it so maybe they had a good chunk of money down with us we're not sure if we're going to make it through. Can we get our money back? Yes, absolutely. We work with people like that. But other than that, it was, it was pretty simple. A lot of easy conversations under a minute. Hey, I'm Nathan. I'm your new rep with the Indians. Season's canceled. You want to flip your money to 2021. Was the, basically the summary of the call. Everybody, for the most part, yes, let's move it. And simple conversations. It was funny because a lot of people felt bad for us. It makes sense from the outside because they understand that we have careers and we make money off of commission if there's no games there's no commission so a lot of people felt for us whereas then I could relate back to them well you guys have no baseball to come to so it's kind of a mutual feel bad for each other everybody was on the same page not much changed it was mainly just our pitch so what do you want for 2020 hit the brakes what about moving your money to 2021 and now we're picking up again on assuming that we have a 2021 season what day of the week works best for you how many people would you look to bring out? Is this for a company or family? Where would you like to sit? And we're almost pitching something completely blind because we don't know when the schedule is. We don't know when the weekend games are. So it's tough to say, yeah, we'll get you on the first Saturday of May because we don't know if there'll be a game on the first Saturday of May. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's a totally new sales approach again of selling something that you're not quite sure when it will ever be. An advantage that the Indians have is that you've got a beautiful stadium downtown Indianapolis. So there's some other creative things that, you know, like for example, then in Pensacola, they've rented out their stadium on Airbnb. So what are you guys doing there with the Indians that, you know, take advantage of the resources you have? Like I just saw you're doing some type of golf thing at the stadium, which looks really cool. Yeah. The nice thing with the Indians is we own the building. So the city Indianapolis, Indianapolis doesn't own it. So we're able to rent the stadium out for a variety of events. Where, for example, the Colts, Lucas Oil is owned by the city. So while I was there, we only had a certain amount of days where we could go into the facility of Lucas Oil Stadium and do different events. So that saves us a little bit. For example, we had pastime come out in July, pastime tournaments, travel baseball. Travel baseball started when they were supposed to, for the most part. They were a month or two late, but they played through because they didn't have to worry about the fans. So they would come in and rent out weekends at Victory Field. We would go down and staff those. So that was a rental fee. We have the golf, almost the top golf approach, 
but you hit from different locations around the concourse onto Victory Field, and there's different pins set up. Uh, you can rent a private bay, so you can include drinks, and it's an exclusive tenth hole that only your group would get to, to hit in for your time slot. So that is a way to bring in, bring in revenue and bring in people that maybe they hate baseball, but they love golf, or maybe they love baseball and they hate golf. And either way, they just come out for, for fun entertainment. For example, I'm a terrible golfer, but even I saw it and was like, well, that's something that I would definitely bring friends to. So it's a different approach, different idea. And then in September, we're even going to have a car show. So you can come in, bring your car in, pay a fee, have it part of the show. And it's almost like a, a tour through all the different cars around the area. And that's a way to bring in some revenue as well. And again, a different approach to what typically you would have rather than a baseball game. So we're working on some movie nights, potential like yoga and Zumba events, just anything that we can think of outside of the box that makes sense for us and makes sense for the community, as well as holiday parties coming up around Christmas time because we have a brand new club area that we can rent out. So people that are looking for a place to do company events around holiday time or Christmas time can now come inside because we've enclosed that and enjoy our new new club area. So just anything that we can think of that doesn't make sense on our end, is it something people would be interested in? And is there time to do it? We're game for. So are those things that you're selling personally? Can you, uh, are you selling tickets for the golf outing for the car show? Are you even able to work with groups to rent out the stadium? Yeah, it's all hands on deck at this point. So our intern class leaves in August. So it's going to be full-time ticket sales, premium ticket sales, corporate side, sponsorship, all that, selling all these events. It's nice here because there's nobody that's too important or too big to sell anything. So everybody helps out. Like with a golf outing, if you have pins, you can put sponsorships on pins. So there's sponsorship. And now if you have different bays you can rent out of, somebody's got to fill those. Okay, ticket staff, jump on it. Or, you know, we can bring in different types of groups for stadium rentals and have the stadium all to themselves. So that's going along in, and we need the premium side to give us days that we're allowed to rent that out that works for them. Then we need the ticket staff to find people to fill those days. It's actually insane how everybody can work together, and it's very smooth. You would think with all these different departments running together that something might get missed out on or somebody might step on each other's toes or, or something like that, but it's, it's pretty crazy. Here's the event that we're doing. We'll get the sponsorship. You guys fill it and everybody in the middle do one or the other. So it's, it's nice. Where it's not only us, there's no big time pressure. You have to sell these events or you're fired. It's look at your prospects that you have. Has anybody got money with us that, wanted to, that wants to do an outing still in 2020? Are they only 2021? Are there any prospects that on the phone, this is where it comes to listening. Man, I love golfing. My buddies and I golf all the time. Now those conversations are huge. Because you can go back to your notes and say, oh, love golf, love golf, love car shows, love golf. And you just found four prospects that you would have never pitched for any of these events prior to it. All right, good. Well, we're going to give you a chance to, to pitch those and have people contact you here in, in just a second. But you talked about the Indians as an organization. And, you know, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm from Indianapolis um, I worked for the Indians when, when I was in college, and I would agree with you. you know, growing up, going to Indians games, and then finally working with them when I was in college, it is a great organization. 
in most organizations in sport are some are a little more tougher than others and you're dealing with personalities but um, it really truly is a great organization so our, our last question here what advice would you give for students who want to work in sport you know you're kind of going the traditional route but i even though it's traditional it's not easy i mean it's not like you just showed up to the colts and said all right i got my degree in hand hire me right so what do students need to do to kind of get to where you are and then hopefully get onto that path where, where you're a manager this might upset some professors but my <laughs> personal opinion your calculus class and ticket sales will never help you again that doesn't mean don't go kill it because employers look at grades and look at okay this might not be what you wanted to do but did you get through it so take it with a grain of salt. Some of the classes that you learn, you will never use again. And it's no secret, professors tell you that. It's, you just have to do it. So get through the things that you have to do. Get into your major, if you're sports management, if you're marketing, wherever you're at, and kill every class in your major, because that's what's then gonna turn around and be used moving forward. They're not gonna come in and teach you about risk management or about business development. They're gonna expect that you just went to school for that. Take the extra step and learn something outside of what you're being taught at school because you don't have time to go through resume training extensively or interviewing. A lot of people will lose out on jobs from their interviewing. Um, um, uh, nobody wants to hear um a hundred times in their interview. So just get comfortable talking to people. Volunteer for groups. I never thought in my entire life I would be in a club and I was in three or four at Trine. Something I would never anticipate doing. I was a president, I was a member, and I was a member. So I, I had pretty good roles in, in all three of them. It was nice that, you know, at Trine, it's not a, a huge campus. So you have those opportunities and have the ability to, to try something that you're not used to. And then when you get, finally get to the opportunity in sports, it's not, I love the, the Patriots. I'm going to go work for the Patriots. That doesn't make sense because you're only going to be able to sell Patriots. A lot of people will actually not get the job if they're diehard fans. If you come in and pitch, I love the Celtics. I love Boston. They don't care. That's not, they're almost looking for somebody that doesn't love Boston or the Celtics because you're going to pitch the experience and not their star players. So, so take every advantage, every opportunity that you get. You might have to move. I've been very fortunate and only had to go out of Indiana one time in my career for my internship. But even that was monumental in my sales career because I'm in a, the second or third largest city in the United States. No friends, no family live by myself in a studio apartment, and, and here you are with endless things to do, Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Blackhawks, you know, the Bean, different museums, everything you can think of, and here I am trying to sell the WNBA, which, to nobody's surprise, is not the number one front runner of things to do in Chicago. So you're in a foreign city selling something you've never even really had a part of before, and people don't know too much about. So it was nice that I had to battle all kinds of different things, and then pitch a product that I, I don't know if I'd ever watched a WNBA game. So right there is an example of you might have to go somewhere that you have no idea what you're doing, and you'll probably learn more than going somewhere that you're super comfortable with because you have time in your career to move up. I never thought I'd work for the Colts. I wanted to get back into baseball, didn't know it was going to be in Indianapolis. You can't panic if positions aren't open. You'll learn that teams hire in different phases. So right now would be a time for – minor league baseball no no season now with the financial side of things that changes a little bit but nfl is not hiring you during the season more than likely it's after their season ends so you have to look for when opportunities come you have to know when those are each league is different 
I would look at teamwork. That's been a great, great resource for me. And just people on LinkedIn, people that you know, I never even saw the Indians job posted. It got sent over to the Colts. My manager was like, hey, I know you love Indiana, Indianapolis area. Would you be interested in getting back into baseball? I never saw the job posted until I finally went on teamwork and they said, hey, apply there so your resume's in there and we'll bring you in for an interview. So create relationships with your managers, with your professors, because when they go to find somebody that does what they're supposed to do, if you're just messing around all day long and, and just acting like a clown in class, you've got no shot. People call each other. People call professors. You're one of my references. So if I was messing around in your classes and asleep all day long, that wouldn't look good on me. And now I've got no reference. So continue to work hard. Things aren't going to fall in your lap by any means, but do not feel pressured. Like you have to just dart out and, and go take the first opportunity that you see. If it's one that fits, take it. But I know with the Colts, we were there for a year and it was a year long inside sales program. And everybody was a little bit panicked around month nine of, are we going to stay here? Do I need to find somewhere else? People that came from out of state, am I moving back home? And our manager, it was great. One day he just said, everybody breathe and calm down. He's like, there's no jobs out there right now because nobody's hiring. We're not in season to hire. Our season ended, jobs were open everywhere and everybody went to a spot that pretty much worked for them and they're thriving in now. So it will happen. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, but do everything you can beforehand to prepare for what's coming. Cause you're not going to be able to go in an interview and sweet talk somebody. You'll get the job. You will. And then you'll be there for a month, two months, and it will quickly show that you were just blowing smoke the whole time. So take things serious, put the work in and you will be rewarded down the road. You're the second guest in a row that we've had who've talked about taking that chance with an internship. And that might mean you have to move. Um, you also talked about how the job at the Indians came up where, you know, I mean, it was posted, but really they were working their network to find somebody that they could trust. And, you know, that just goes to something that, that we talk about all the time. I mean, it's, it's who you know in sports and, and who knows you and, and who likes you as a former professor of mine like to say. So, um, Nathan, we appreciate having you on the podcast. If anybody is interested in buying future Indianapolis Indians tickets or the golf experience or anything else, or they want to rent out beautiful victory field, uh, how can they get a hold of you? You can reach me on my cell phone, uh, 317-650-3819. I get text there right now. You can give me a call at work, 317-532-6929. Or you can shoot me over a LinkedIn message, just Nathan Watson on there, or an email to work at nwatson at indieindians.com. All right, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to join us in two weeks for our interview with Dr. Shane Steele as he discusses his career as a physical therapist. We'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.